0: This is a boardwalk audio podcast. Welcome to I Will Watch Anything Once. I'm your host, Mark David Christensen. Are you afraid of the bomb dropping? I'm not. I don't think I've ever thought or been afraid of actually a nuclear attack. Maybe uh, I'm ignorant to never have been afraid of a nuclear bomb hitting the United States. I guess I just, I. it feels like something in science fiction more than anything. However, I find it very fascinating that only, what, over... 30, 40 years ago, a lot of people, including my parents, that was a big fear. The big fear was that we were going to have a bomb dropped on, on us by an enemy country. That's very different how like over time our threats or what we fear as a culture changes um, now it feels like we we fear more of our own government it was it looks you looking back it's like everybody kind of trusted their government it was always an outside threat now it's always seems to be internal it's just it's about either a a, a corrupt politician or the government taking control and so forth. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong that there maybe there are nuclear weapons everywhere. It just feels like every time I see a nuclear weapon uh, as a threat on television or to that discussion, even in the news, it feels like so distant and far away, almost like it doesn't it's not really there. Even when they talk about North Korea, I feel like it's like. Maybe a tiny dot in the news. And it feels like we're having more threats that are more at home with guns. Um, I don't want to get into a big discussion about guns. Um, I don't know what my lesson is. I'm definitely not a person that, that will ever probably own a gun. Um I have a father that does that's okay. he has permits keeps him in a safe safe at home. I don't even know the last time you actually have opened that very safe, but I do um endorse there being more laws against assault rifles and and regulations. there should be regulations god I you know I can't just hop that's the same argument you've heard a hundred times I can't hop in a car without having to be tested and and showing that I can actually function as a human behind the wheel of a car why not? Can't, why can't we have that for guns? In the end, guns seem more scary and th- a threat to my life and others around me that I love than any nuclear attack. Um, well, <laughs> there you go. I'm going to step off my soapbox that's really not that articulate of a soapbox in order to get to this week's episode with someone that I absolutely Look up to this. Uh, I, I'm happy that I got was able to watch a film with this um, with this guest because he's someone I definitely revere as an improviser and a performer. He's one of the funniest men in Los Angeles in in improv of all time. My guest, Will Hines. <laughs> All right, I'm here with Will Hines. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Uh, we, uh, not just, but... Very, uh, somewhat uh, recently. recently. Earlier today. Yes, earlier today we watched War Games. Woo! <laughs> yeah. yeah. super excited. <laughs> super excited. To, yeah. Um, so, jumping in, uh, we'll just start with the yeah. question I ask every guest, Great. Will, is,
1: why did you want me to see this movie? Okay, well, I—I I mean, I love this movie. I'm sure everyone says that. Great. I think it's one of the. This was. It's like. A, it's. I think it's a little bit of a forgotten movie. It's very. It's very of its time, the early '80s, and it's a little bit less relevant now. You know, it's about a computer hacker who accidentally uh, starts a computer down a path of launching nuclear missiles, and. Um, you know, new fears of a nuclear war and the newness of computers in the early 80s was like the whole thing. So I feel like the movie kind of doesn't get shown as much as sort of like, I don't know, like Ghostbusters or something or like Back to the Future or like. Yeah. But this was as big a movie back then. And uh, so I don't know. I kind of feel like it's one of those gems that maybe not everybody necessarily stumbles across. I was also really curious to see how it would hold up in your eyes. Yeah. I mean, I was really excited to watch it with somebody who hadn't seen it to kind of like, you know, like to be able to – to I would sort of borrow your reactions
0: yeah, to I see like it, what
1: parts hit and what parts don't and stuff.
0: And that's always like – I find it always a scare, a little bit of a scary thing when I introduce somebody oh, to a movie I love. Definitely. Because you you hold it up so much because you – It's like
1: especially if, like, if uh, am I wrong to make this a male-female thing? But I think like a lot of guys when they have crushes on girls will make them – not make them but like you know beg them to like watch a movie that you love and then you have that that's when you first learn like oh just because you loved it in the circumstances that you saw it doesn't mean that a new person will have the same experience. Yes, 100%. And so it's a very guy thing. I think you do that with other you, guy friends too that you have like guy crushes. Yeah, yeah, on. that's right. You'll make yeah, you'll make guy friends watch too. But then then you learn like it doesn't work and there's no point and you have to just like then then you get to a phase where it's like if they happen to discover on their own a movie or tv show that you love or music or something and then they bring it up you're like so excited.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I've g- I gave up probably about at least 5 years ago of just introducing anybody to anything I like. Yeah. I just completely gave up I mean, on I, it. Yeah. Because I would because I just was so fearful of people not liking it and also just like why do I it doesn't yeah. mean anything in the end if they dislike it it doesn't yeah. it doesn't paint their their personality yeah. any different.
1: When I was in college, I loved the movie uh, Love and Death, which is a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, I, and, I'm
0: a huge fan of that movie, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. it's oh, one I, of, I think it's film. an underspoken uh, for Woody Allen movie. I love and it it's so just much. Full so it's full of jokes so good. It's <laughs> so silly and so
1: full of jokes. But when I was in college, it was before the uh, – before Soon-Yi happened, before he like – Before it became public that he was, like, fucking his daughter. Yeah. So, like, I didn't know that Woody Allen was a creep. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was just, like, a comedian or whatever. Right. And I loved this movie, and I would try to get people to watch it, and it was always a failure. People – Really, were bored by that movie. It like never hit. And the only person I really ever found who loved it before, honestly, before this conversation, <laughs> was my brother. My brother watched it and loved it also. And I was like, oh, thank God!
0: It has some of my favorite jokes. They're just like, there are some they're, of the best jokes they're, they're I've ever dumb. seen. In like the one that always sticks out to me is where my his father. I can't. I don't know the. The right phrasing, yeah. But he's talking about his father in the narration. He's like he owned, owned a, a small pl- piece of land, and he pulls it out of his
1: coat, and it's just he, like it is. <laughs> this land is mine. No one will build on it. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's full of jokes like that that I, I love. love. It's when the, somebody <laughs> says it. This takes place in Russia during like the uh, French invasion, yeah. Napoleon's invasion of Russia, like the eighteen twenties, or I don't, I don't quite know when it was, but like, and somebody says to Woody Allen, so. You are the young coward that all of Saint Petersburg is talking about, and he's like, "I'm not so young; I'm 35." <laughs> that really made me laugh when so I first heard man. it. My Woody Allen that I wish everybody would watch would be Broadway Danny Rose. Oh, it, and it's a tough sell. Uh, I think that's a great pick. I think that is one of his like perfect movies. I agree, and it's, it has... ni- it's 90 minutes, so you're in and out. Yep, it's sweet, uh, but it's smart. It takes surprising turns. Mm-hmm. The characters are all great. The I think framing m- device is really funny. I think it's amazing
0: that Mia Farrow is wearing glasses the entire movie. You never see her
1: eyes. I didn't think. I didn't realize that. That's true. Yeah, she's. I mean, she and makes she's the movie. She's so <laughs> yeah. good, and really Woody Allen's good in it too. Like he, it breaks my heart. Yeah, I mean, all Woody Allen movies break my heart now because I can only see him as a right. Um, at best, a completely up his own ass uh, family traumatizing womanizer, and at worst, a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I kind of sort of can't enjoy any Woody Allen movies, but there was a time when I loved them dearly, and so yeah, Broadway Danny Rose is um, a great one yeah, for sure. Yeah. Has and one of you're my... right, and people don't mention it a lot. Like Annie no. Hall gets mentioned a yes. lot, of course, and like Manhattan also, and I think Sleeper gets talked about a fair amount. And um, Bullets Over Broadway mm-hmm. and Hannah and Her Sisters; those are like the big ones that get mentioned. But Broadway Danny Rose is like as good as any of them.
0: Oh, I love it. And it has one of my favorite jokes when they're driving down the street and he asks Mia Farrow's character, so what happened to your husband? And she says, he was shot in the eyes. Oh, he's blind? No, he's dead. Oh, yeah, the bolt would have went through. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a quick back and forth that I think is brilliant.
1: That sounds great. I love it.
0: Uh, But, yeah, so that's great. Um, You introduced me to War Games today, which is a movie I think – I thought I knew a little about, but then I realized in our conversation going into this that I mixed up this movie and the Manhattan Projects. I figured oh, yes. it out with John Lithgow. Yeah, which I think just because they it's both around the
1: same time they're like nuclear yeah. same things. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but I didn't. Really, I didn't really know at uh, at all about this movie. Oh, really? Oh, that's other than the fact that it existed. Yeah, I, I knew that it was a kid with computers and yeah. the things I knew was Matthew Project. Right. Computers. Computers and nuclear war. Yeah. That was the most I knew going into watching this movie. Right. Right. And so, barely anything at all, really. Yeah, and which I lo- I prefer now anyway. In most, it's movies. the best. Um, I try to avoid spoilers. Clips are the like the worst. Thing I just in the saw world the movie me.
1: Green Room in the theaters Ooh. with no. I really almost I knew almost nothing about what it was about, and it was so enjoyable. Can you see the grin on my face? Because that movie is probably the best movie I've seen this year. I really love it. Not everybody loves it. <laughs> Oh, when I saw it, I was so impressed by it. I was like, "Oh, everyone's going to love this movie," and many people do really love it. But it's so violent uh, that that sort of like, tur- you know, yeah, that- I can see that turning be not away. everybody's jam, and um, and it's just uncomfortably suspenseful. To yes. Which to me was thrilling and impressive, but to a lot of people, it's almost like too much. It's like I don't need yeah. to feel that uncomfortable for like. A whole I life.
0: loved how uncomfortable. I loved it. To it, too. me, it was like
1: you hit your tone so perfectly. I agree. And and, they, and the story. <laughs> Uh, Revealed itself in a really satisfying way, like pieces of the puzzle were revealed in a way that just were surprising and like then would retroactively explain things that sometimes I didn't even realize needed explaining, but then I was like, oh, that has so much more depth now. I Mm. loved it. I really, really loved it. I 100%. Another movie I saw with no advanced knowledge was Reservoir Dogs. Oh, wow. Before Pulp Fiction came out, a friend of mine and I were renting a movie and like – Picked it. I think he'd heard from somebody that it was good, but we knew we'd never heard of Quentin Tarantino. We'd never because Pulp Fiction was announced. So he wasn't like a big name <laughs> yeah. yet, and we knew nothing about the movie. And watched it. It was like so much fun. Just it was like a blast. <laughs> yeah. And we finished. I was like, what? Who is this? Who made this? This is incredible. That's so funny. You want to know? There's a really fucked up story about. Trying
0: to see Quentin Tarantino for the first time. Okay, Pulp Fiction had come out. Yes, um, I got around my my house that it was good, but also like my dad was like I didn't like it because okay. just because of the
1: content. Because if it's like a lot of swearing, <laughs> yes, violent? Is Your dad very sort of like not into blue. I mean, I don't know. Like he not is, he isn't.
0: My dad is all over because then we I like when Django came out and we went and saw that he loved it he, oh, and okay. he liked Inglorious
1: Bastards a lot. Oh, and, the, and so the, it's insane. And to there's me. way more violence in Django <laughs> and Chain <laughs> than. Um, and, then, in, in, and in The Glorious yeah. Pastors than in Pulp Fiction, although there's a lot in Pulp Fiction.
0: But there's also – for whatever reason – and I was young at the time. I can't even remember what I, I guess year there's that sex
1: scene in Pulp Fiction, yes. which is pretty intense. Yes. and there's not really an equivalent in the other two.
0: Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. So I my I went to my brother's house and they had my – two of my brothers had gotten Pulp Fiction to watch. And I was like, oh, I'm finally going to see this movie yeah. that everybody has talked about. Yes. And it's getting around the family. I get to see it. Apparently – but the next thing I know, I fall- I had fallen asleep and never got to see the movie. Okay. Then I, it's revealed to me, like, I can't remember how much longer after that. I actually got drugged that night by my own brothers. Really? <laughs> yes, because my mom specifically asked, told my two brothers, don't let him see it. So the only way they could get because I knew that I was sleeping over my brother. Other yeah, the they were like, how are we going to get it? We, get- we can't avoid it. So they ended up giving me Oreos and apparently took sleeping pills and snapped one and put it in my Oreo and I ate it and it put me right out.
1: Oh my <laughs> God. I how old
0: were you? <laughs> I'd have to look up what that, was that movie 92? 94. 94. So I would have to be around 12 or 13. Wow. And they drugged me. They so would you. <laughs> yeah, they roofed me not to watch Pulp Fiction. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> so I didn't see it for a couple of years You're late. from
1: Utah, right? Yeah. Are you Mormon? Uh, Born and raised, yeah. Border. So, okay, uh, the reason I ask that is, like, do, I mean, I associate Mormonism or LDS, like, is it, like, is it more moral, I feel like? I feel like it's sort of, like, you know, not supposed to have caffeine. Yeah, so.
0: there was a lot of, like, not ca- no caffeine. I mean, there was a lot of strict rules from what they call, like, the general authorities yeah. in the church. But my dad, this is why I love my dad, It's like, he would always go, like, they're general authorities. Okay, beyond know, the general. Okay, because <laughs> like, we were like, there were times when we grew up, we'd always drink Coke. We never really stuck to that. Yeah. My dad and my Do you, you're moderate. Yes, very yeah, yeah. moderate. Uh-huh. And like R-rated movies, my parents really supported them because in there and my both my parents were like, you can learn from this without having to ever go through the experience that you watch in these movies. Okay, so that's why like. They were open, but then yeah. certain movies
1: along the way, of course, like – Sure. Some of them were, were extreme. Like, do yeah, that. too much. Yeah. Yeah. So. Another movie I walked in without knowing anything about was – which I I recommend a lot, although I, I guess it's not really for everybody. It's called Under the Skin. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Under the Skin as well. That was maybe the strangest movie I ever saw and I really loved it. Although in the middle of it, I was so filled with despair, I almost walked out. But it doesn't end filled with despair. Right. It ends weird, but like – the baby in the beach basically made me so sad that I was like, I might have to get out of here. Oh, yeah. It, it, <laughs> but it takes but you on it's, it's a very a, dark journey. It's such a mysterious and surreal movie, but I still knew what was going on enough to love it. Uh, and I didn't know – ah, uh, th- I didn't even know Scarlett Johansson was in it. That's how little oh, I knew wow. about it. Th- and she's the star. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about it. But, but my roommate who saw it and was like, you should see that. It's a great movie. And I was like, OK. It's the best way to see movies, which, which
0: I saw today. With War, war games. games. Great war- movie, right? I actually think it was a great movie, and we'll, we'll get into it more, because my initial reaction is like, when you go into especially older movies, yeah. I, 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 this is tooting my own horn a little bit, okay. I'm way more open to older movies than I think than the general...
1: You're just in generally like a pretty open... Person to enjoying uh, things, I think. I
0: hope so. Like that's yeah. Like I just like like well, let's do it this one You're time, and if, and if it doesn't work out, then we don't have to do it again, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. But like a lot of times, looking back at old movies, a lot of people give them flack for whatever style. They and move very slowly sometimes. Yeah, and I'm like, like, but give it credit for what it's actually doing. And at the time, what what were they up against? Yeah, they don't have the same innovation. Yeah, for what was time. it really trying to accomplish, and did they pull it off? And a lot of times, I think movies are pulling off stuff still, like they hold up really well. Yeah. Um, so this movie, like, one, let's talk. Like, let's just jump in. Okay. I want to kind of break it down because let's talk about the opening sequence. The opening sequence, it's awesome. Is, it's got, it's got, a, it's really got one a great, of the best
1: opening sequences of any movie. It just throws well, that, you in in a great way. Yeah, not that way. It's not like, and uh, there are great action sequences that open action movies. This is not an action movie. But it's a great – from a story perspective, in terms of like grabbing you and making you interested in the story that they're about to tell, it's like one of the coolest openings of any movie I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And it, I, Let's
1: describe uh, it. Yeah, describe it as it's like cool. – this is the opening of the movie. So technically we're spoiling what you would watch if you just started These, the movie. This, this podcast is all about spoiling. So it's like a snowy – it's like a s- – Snowstorm is going nuts.
0: Wait, was it a snowstorm? Because I, I, I snow assumed storm, it was
1: because yeah. it, it almost was like it almost
0: looked to me like Fallout, which was creepy to me. Because you the know top the name of is War
1: Games. You are like, yeah. what is this all about? But so no, it's it, definitely snow. Yeah, and they
0: mention it once
1: they get inside. Yeah. This truck pulls up in a driveway in front of a house. These two guys get out. They walk in. Looks like sort of a suburban looking home. They yep. get in the front living room, and it looks like your basic. You know, middle America, suburban home here in the snowy landscape, these two guys. But then they walk up to a mirror on the wall and they hold up IDs to the mirror mm-hmm. and then you cut and it's on the other side of the mirror and there's a whole security room mm-hmm. with a guard who can see through the mirror that waves them in and you realize it's some military structure. Yeah. The house is just a front for a military structure. Yeah. But it's all business as usual. These guys check in. No big deal. They're a little late. You know, the roads are bad. They go walking through the room and then into an elevator and it's like this intense and before- for that too They
0: check. They load, They load their gun. Oh, they They, like they, they, they like guns, gun and then they load, and they load them. them just casually. Like they're talking do this all about the time. weed. Put the guns in their holster. <laughs> they're talking about weed. One of the guys
1: is saying, like, "Oh, I know this person who grows this great weed. She like chants over it and stuff. Gives you primo stuff." <laughs> and they're just chill as can be. Yeah, got U.S. Air Force written on their uh, jackets. This is an
0: everyday thing they do.
1: Yeah, and they get in this elevator, and then they go down, and they. And they open a door, and these two other dudes are leaving a post, mm-hmm. and then they go into it, and they're in some computer operations room, two yeah.
0: seats. It, it, it reminds me a lot of like what, oh, it, this, these moments remind me a little bit of Dr. Strangelove.
1: Yeah. It looks just, just sort just of like
0: – more mo- modern Dr. Strangelove in yeah. that era.
1: And so you're wondering like, oh, what is this whole place set up for? Yeah. What are they doing? And then they start talking and they're like checking all things and then they show photos of a missile silo. They're like, oh, yeah, it's all set. And you're like, oh, they're operating a missile silo or something like that. And they're just chatting and then they get a notice. It's a command to launch a missile. Yeah. And, but you don't know that at first. It's just like an urgent command comes over the thing with like codes and they write down the codes and they open up a cabinet and break open this packet to see if the codes match. They do match. It's like, oh my god, this is go. And they're like, all right, set set missiles to move from ready to set, prepare for launch, enter the codes. And they're both like freaking out. Or no, the younger – there's a younger well, guy and older guy. They're both freaking out
0: because the younger – played by a Michael
1: young Madsen. Michael Madsen, which yeah. was a
0: very – Big surprise in this movie for me at the top. Right. Uh, He's like, oh shit.
1: He goes, holy shit. When he sees that the codes match. Yeah. Older guys, all business at first. He's like, all right, let's do it. They each have to put their key in a slot. Yeah, it's a classic, like, nuclear launch with two keys. But I think this is the movie that maybe set that? Taught people what it looks like. I think that that this is the sequence that taught everybody oh, there's two keys, and two people have to turn the keys simultaneously to launch the missile. Uh, I think so. I don't think it came from anything else. And I don't
0: like,
1: – everything that I can think of that has those kind of moments are more, uh, modern, more modern than this. Yeah. For sure. And I think like a, this movie gave it a lot of – like Def, the DEFCON 1 through 5 and yeah. Crystal Palace, whatever. So um, – and they're about to launch the missiles and it's intense and you're watching this and you're thinking about a nuclear strike. It's crazy. And then the older guy's like, get somebody on the phone. I got to verify this. And The younger guy's like, "That's not procedure." Yeah. He's like, "I don't care. I'm not going to kill 20 million people without verifying it on the phone." But the phones are dead. And yeah. the younger guys like, "Place our whatever headquarters has probably been taken out. Like this is a launch missile. We're at war." Yeah. And so they, he's like, they "Shake it off. You're right. You're right." And they start counting down to 10, and then the older guy won't turn his key. Which I love. He just yeah. he takes his hand off the key. He's not going to do it. Like, And you're like, you get it. Like, Do you want to be the guy to launch a nuclear missile? Like, Do you want to – just what he said, kill 20 million people? This is all the first like four minutes yeah. of the movie. And then the younger guy pulls out that gun that we saw him load, points it right at the older guy and says, turn your key, sir. Turn your key and the guy won't – and he's, he's mumbling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then it just – edits cuts to a a truck to a truck pulling into a military complex with like this happy fanfare yeah
0: that's that's the oddest the oddest point is like this is so intense leading up to this and I'm like what you're just thrown in going wait is this movie starting off with, with a nuclear, nuclear war, war. yeah this is insane I mean, yeah um, but then it like totally which is like I think there's two moments we'll talk about them where the music just totally just yeah. is wrong it's wrong yeah <laughs> like, that
1: doesn't date well <laughs> like yeah you're like every 80s just, movie the music yeah. dates badly uh, but it's like some like cheap, like happy fanfare yeah. like, it's like, da, 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 it's like da, da. so <laughs> American and it's like showing this bass and you're like wait we just came out of this very yeah it's like vaguely scene. patriotic trumpet fanfare it's like what happened with the dudes <laughs> yeah like come on but then you
0: quickly you find immediately out, find out that it was a test, test. to but see if no
1: humans me. would be able to turn the key and that 22% of – across this test, 22% of the people would not turn the keys. Yeah. Which sets up the whole movie because they take the people out of the loop and let computers have direct access to launching missiles, which is why our protagonist is able to yeah. introduce trouble. It's a
0: great – I think it's
1: a very great and clean setup. Me too. Because if you don't it's have that – you wouldn't think about. Yeah. Like if you told me, oh, there's a kid who hacks in and – can launch missiles. I'm ready to take that as a movie premise. Yeah. I don't even think about whether that's plausible or not. But then it, that fact, oh, these humans are out. It's like, oh, they're thinking about it on a level that I'm not thinking about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, of course there would be a human fail safe, but this situation gets it out. We're seeing how a computer gets its circuits on the launch codes. Yeah. I think a lot of movies now would immediately start with the the kid. The kid, yeah. Then you'd fall – you'd be like – But this sets the mood. Like it sets like the tension of a nuclear mm -hmm. strike, how high stakes that is, how scary it is. And so your head is filled like with – and especially in the early 80s. This came out in 83. It was on everybody's mind all Mm -hmm. the time. I was 13 when this came out and like – Ronald Reagan was president, Colin Re- – the Soviet Union, the evil empire. Yeah. The movie The Day After came out that showed what the world would be like after a nuclear mm-hmm. war. A you lot. Just, I mean it's all a lot of post-apocalyptic things coming out at that yeah. time. Yeah. So it was – It's a, it, it gets you right into the mood of it.
0: I, yeah. I, I, I highly enjoyed that and um, I love the com- big master computer that it has. Whopper. Master computers fascinate me. You like the design of it. I loved the design of it. Yeah. It was just like this cool black box, yeah. but then it had these tons red delights, of lights on it, yeah. And
1: it was like to, it's overly they...
0: designed. It's almost like Steve Jobs got hold of it and just overly designed it. Yes, you're like, yeah. we could have just made this be another one of those boxes that we have. They're like, no, we got to make this thing. Whenever they show the computer, there's
1: always this sort of they have this ominous hum, you know, yeah. like, like the the same hum that Hal has in uh, 2001. Yes. Like, mm, the not... sort of like you know this. This dread machine that yeah. is now and has in charge of the missiles or whatever, and
0: nobody can do anything.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it's, so like, it's a really cool beginning. Like, I, yeah, I it, would really just love showing people the first five minutes because it's it grabs you. I think
0: I agree. I think it, and it still holds up. It's one of the things. Like besides the weird fanfare, you're like, no, this holds up. Everything. Yeah.
1: It, it, the music. It, a couple of places in the movie are is not kind of takes you out of it, but by and large, I think the story holds up. But it
0: takes me on the in the out, not. I wouldn't say it takes me out of it in the sense of like, oh, this, ruined the, this mu- ruins the movie or I, I stop watching or I lose interest. Yeah. It just makes me have to comment. and But I'm still engaged.
1: Yeah, yeah. The movie's good enough. Yeah. It's just it's funny how movie scores change over time. Like they really got produced in the 80s. I feel like recent movies that they're more minimalist and sparing. So really old movies like 40s and 50s, there's not a lot of music. No. Or, or 40s. <laughs> like – there's long silent stretches. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's like the Hitchcock phase. Where there's tons of strings and cinematic yeah. stuff going on. He's I, really. I, I'm not actually. I'm speaking beyond my expertise in bit. I think you're right a bit, though, because I've bo- definitely noticed in old movies sometimes. I'm like, oh, it's damn. It's quiet. Because I think it's
0: more of like that stage era. They're yeah, coming, they're from, they're coming a, like, out of the stage. They're filling a lot of that noise with dialogue that's moving quickly. Yeah. For, and then I think we got more into Hitchcock as like kind of that transitional stage where it's yeah. like, we're going to slow down our dialogue. Dialogue and, and use visual elements. Visual elements more. So the sound yeah. is there to guide you and how yeah. you. He's Hitchcock. I mean, I love Hitchcock, but he's literally telling you what to feel at every moment. Sure, yeah. That's what he's doing. He's going. Yeah. He's not letting the audience make a decision. He's saying now this you is feel the this. Story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we '80s is a little. It's just the,
1: the '80s. Uh, this is a lot it's of movies weird. in the '80s, and also just because the '80s were enamored with uh, keyboards and synth because yeah. it was sort of like new. And so that was – there was like a novelty to it that was mm-hmm. cool, which dated like within weeks. Like movies that come out of <laughs> like six weeks later would be like, this is insane. Sounded, just like, like a Casio. Insane.
0: It's like, ooh, the new yeah, Casio. It's, it's already outdated?" <laughs> <dumped> it.
1: <laughs> and now they just all sound like cheesy, tinny little beeps to our ears. Yeah. But they were like – it was like magic, liquid, electric you – know, oh, they n- loved it. Nirvana. In and like, a
0: movie like this, are like, great. How's it has a computer in it. We'll have a yeah. reason to use it. It's just like how Tron – Tron was 82 right before this. Yes. And it's really interesting that like – I love Tron. Although oh, Tron's uh, a very slow movie. so slow, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Like, I a couple of birthdays back, I went and saw it by myself down at the Ace Hotel.
1: Oh, yeah. Because I was just like, I have to see this on the big Parts screen. Parts of the movie are so cool. Yeah. The look of those glowing suits are so uh, great. The design is just perfect. Yeah, I agree. It's really um, great. They
0: just went, at, like... They really pushed things Trump forward. Like we weird... it,
1: it, it gets it's in your mind forever. Yes, like it really. I love it. Um,
0: but I love that that War Games fits in with the, in that era because it's just the era I think where we cinematically make computers a villain. It takes a couple, like yeah, a, almost another ten years to get away from. Computers are not our villains.
1: Yeah, that's true. You don't see
0: movies anymore. I mean, Terminator maybe this the last big one where it was like a
1: computer. The Terminator the first Matrix. Terminator was like
0: eighty four.
1: Yeah. Or yeah. It was right like, around
0: the same time. Like, hey, these are the computers are v- major villains because Terminator two. It's like, well, they are, but we also have There's a also hero. this good guy one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even Matrix is like, yeah, but whatever it's more yeah. it's more uh, complex
1: um, but it's very interesting these are in this movie, it up. Sheedy, the movies shot of the movie Ali Shidi the love uh-huh. interest um, is over at our protagonist's house and he's doing some hacking he's trying to like He's got his computer just dialing numbers mm-hmm. of Sunnyvale, California, to find a video game company because he wants early access to games. Yeah, And so <laughs> – got glad to go back to when uh, – after you finish what you're saying, but we have to go back to – because I love the parents in this movie. <laughs> OK. Yeah. So Ali <laughs> Sheedy, there's a shot of her yeah. like just kind of touching the screen. Like the, it's it's this old school mm-hmm. uh, monitor like, you know, no, no graphics. You can't even think about graphics. It's just it's sort like of like DOS. pixelated. Yeah, it's all I DOS, could associate
0: with like my dad's old early, school, computer.
1: early '80s interface, and the, it's showing the numbers that it's dialing. And he and Broderick's character goes into the bathroom, and she just sort of like strokes the screen. Mm-hmm. It's not sexual; she just sort of touching it because it's like so new and weird yeah. looking. And I was like, "Yeah, that's what computers were like." It's like, "Man, what is this?"
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. Like this era is like computers. Also, are those big, massive machines that sat in like warehouses, as you see in the, the, um, the war room? It's yeah. like that's what you associate with them. So, to think of it as at home like that, yeah, even though we had arcade games in the, in the 80s, you probably did have some personal computers, I believe, starting to roll out. You in the did, 80s. yeah, you had like
1: the PC and the PC Junior and the Apple II.
0: Right, but, but they, I, they were
1: expensive. Expensive, and they, not and they, every household had. They them, were right? not. They were toys. They were novelties. Like you didn't use them in your everyday life. You yeah. were like interested in them and curious, but you you didn't need them. You maybe could do word processing on them. Yeah, but not even that much then. So I can understand, like, I think that's a great touch that you're pointing
0: out to show that, like, that's how you would react to this new yeah. thing
1: being introduced to you. Oh, when I was a kid and I saw this movie, the, the all the computer stuff was, like, porn to me. <laughs> it was, even, even though it is so dated now, I still get yeah. excited whenever David Lightman, that's Matthew Broderick's uh-huh. character, does any computer hacky stuff. And there's a number of times in the movie where they show him doing – they show, like, the nuts and bolts of his, like, schemes. Yeah. And they're—I think they're all fascinating. I think that's where the if you, the movie shows what's good about it. Whenever David Lightman goes into like hacking some machine, because they show it to you just enough that you feel like you could do it. Yeah, and you're like, oh, does that work? Does this trick work? And when you're watching, you're like, I feel like that would work. What he's doing? Mm-hmm. There. What scene was it? I'm trying because the I'm, phone. I, there, there's the phone thing. There's the there's phone breaking out of the holding cell. With the, you know when he gets the yeah that's t- a
0: great one. Uh, there's one just where he's figuring, figuring just him home, figuring
1: out how to hack into the video game. That's
0: what I think is maybe is a hacking into the video game. Even the way it was shot and cut.
1: do You I mean a montage
0: me, when he gets into? Is it? Oh my god! Into, um, I hate that I can't because there's a couple of different sequences, but there's one particular where he's at home, and it might be before he plays it for the first time. Yeah, and that the way it was edited to me was like this is holding up as a very intense. Moment yeah. of him getting into the system. And I was like, for a movie that, like, supposedly, like, we could say it's dated and whatever, I was like, this is, this still holds up. This is intense. There's something and they done about, it very really like, well. being,
1: feeling like, I, I always like movies that make you feel like you're being shown how to do something mm-hmm. cool. And I don't even know if this would actually hold up, but, like, the movie <laughs> feels plausible. Okay, I I so, so yeah. the, the one one instance, I'm, oh, one thing I'm thinking of is when he hacks into to change his grades. Right. I think that's the first like computer hacking that you yeah. see him do. You see him in school. You see, that he got an F on a test. You see him be a wise ass to a teacher, even though he looks like kind of a sweet wimpy kid. He's teachers so- hate him. And he's like, the teacher's a complete jerk. And he's yeah. a jerk back to the teacher gets sent to the principal's office. And then you see him like when he's left alone in the office for a moment, he walks over to the secretary's desk and opens up a drawer where there's a list of words, Yeah, and a lot of them are crossed out. And at the bottom, there's one that reads pencil, and it's mm-hmm. not crossed out. And he shuts it, and you're like, what's he looking at that for? And then later at home, he calls the school computer, and that's the password for their computer. Yeah. And he, so and he, knows he simply they keep just the password deletes the grade. And he changes his grade from an mm-hmm. F to a C. And when I was 13, I was like, that's the coolest thing I could ever imagine. I mean – And there's no way that teachers were putting their grades into computers in 1983. Like there's just no way (laughs) that a school was doing that. But I didn't even know what a modem was. I was just like, a computer – Can you can call a computer? Yeah, I wouldn't have understood that at, at, at this time. And or even like, oh, and he knew enough to find the password and his grade is like – for for a 13-year-old in 83, that was like the <laughs> ultimate fantasy. It's like, oh, you could just change your grade and they never know. <laughs> uh, it was cool. Yeah, I
0: think it's super – I was thinking while we were watching it, like even as you said it, as we were watching it, I was like, this would have been cool as a teenage kid Going, oh, I can change my grade. Like, what? Just the, old, just, it was so tantalizing old, to think that it's power possible to change yeah. what you can't normally. It's a great. Yeah. Uh, and I would love, I love the story element in that scene where he changes his grade because I think it's a small thing. There's two elements I think are great in that scene, story wise. One, we still like our character because he gave himself, he didn't give C. himself a C. Oh, yeah, he, he gave himself a C, not, not an, an a. a. And I think that makes him, it humanizes him to a point where like, Okay, this guy has a good – he's like a good guy. He's not going to well, I was thinking it. they
1: actually do it the very first time you meet our characters. Yeah. You know, is David Lightman. He's, he's, he's in the arcade playing Galaga. Mm-hmm. I also just remember watching him play Galaga as a kid and being impressed with how well he was doing. <laughs> I wonder if that's really Matthew Broderick playing. He, he says – I read interview. I loved this movie when I was a kid. You know? And he, in interviews, he said it was him playing. Oh, that's awesome. That they, they gave him a machine in, to like get good at it for that scene. That's awesome. Even, I don't know, I was like, oh my God, he had access to Galaga 24 hours a day. That was like amazing for me to think about. But um, in this first scene where he's playing and he looks at his watch and realizes he's late for school and he gives the game to a kid. There's some some 12-year-old kid in the arcade who knows him. Hey, David. He's like, hey, you want to take over my game? You see him being, he's friends with this kid. He's nice to this kid. So you like him right away. And he's Matthew Broderick. He's like a sweetheart. But is this his... One of his this is one of his first movies, right? It's really his first big movie because he's definitely not cool. No, Ferris nobody Bueller. Nobody knew yet. who he was yeah. when this movie was out because he's like or ali Sheedy. Yeah, Ali Sheedy. She blows now, up. Now, do you think that she gets short shrift in this movie? She's pretty. She's a cool character in this movie. The she gets what short shrift? You Which, know, uh, like, do you think her character and story are good or is it pretty diminished?
0: It's it's not it's not hugely developed. But yeah,
1: I mean, do you think she's more than just the eleven, just the pretty girl? She's a little bit more. Um, at least. Yeah, a little bit more because she's
0: through. She's through it more, but she doesn't really offer. She doesn't really offer anything like. She doesn't have like a thing that comes and saves the day or anything, or yeah. Other than maybe pushing him forward before in the helicopter scene before the helicopter shows up.
1: Yeah, she, there's, there's very few moments where she's really important it's to the shine. story. Uh, but I did
0: like this the element with the grades real quick on her is to establish his like for her. I thought was so great when he was like she was like change the grade back because she wouldn't didn't want to have the She, she want to get in trouble. She was like I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, he and then changes he, her grade. grade back to an A when she leaves, and I was just like. That, those moments are like great, like. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah.
1: Well, he's showing you off to, to her. Show... He shows off Ugh. to her that he can hack in. He changes her grade from an F to a C. Yeah. And she gets scared and she's like, change it back. And then she's freaked out and she leaves.
0: Yeah. And then he changes to an A. And then when a she a. leaves, he makes it an A. That, but isn't it's just... that kind of a
1: dick move? He's like.
0: I like it because for me it goes, oh, he really likes this girl. Like it just made me honestly I would, sold it. <laughs> I, I, I
1: have always thought about it that way, <laughs> yeah, the way yeah. you just said. But when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, this dude doesn't like being told what to do. <laughs> He's Ooh, kind of like changing it that. to an A is like a fuck you. He's like, no, I'll do what I want. I'm making it an A. Right. They didn't play it that way. I, I was sort of like, <laughs> girl said she didn't want you to do it, so don't do it.
0: Yeah, you probably shouldn't have regardless. Yeah. Or check with her or something. <laughs> yeah, like tell her beforehand. But it's Even his, though she did come back and say, I want my grid yeah, changed. <laughs> it's
1: his story and not her story, and so that's just the yeah. way it is, unfortunately. But, and
0: it was the 80s, and you just had a lot of leading
1: men, not women. Yeah, the women, strong women, characters. progressive about Thinking, developing everybody's character. So I think like, she's I think she's generally she, just a lot of she, she rides interests. a motorcycle. Which is cool. She's assertive and they're dynamic. The, the actors are really good together. Yeah like Ali Sheedy is just the coolest and Matthew Broderick is the coolest, especially at this time. So they they seem really cute together. Yeah. Uh and she's sort of funny and
0: and she's a serve because, like, even when she calls him up later on in film, and she's he and goes, "I need you out. to get." My, and she he's freaking out. I need you to get me a plane ticket to yeah. go find Falk. She does it, yeah. Falk. and he, she does it, but she just shows up. She doesn't just give him a ticket and go go do your thing. Yeah, she wants to get. She's involved, like, no, too. I'm involved. So I think there is development there. Maybe it just because you said I it's think his the, story. The
1: combination of the director and the actor Allie made it more than it would have been. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, the, director's really, the director before uh, War Games directed Saturday Night Fever, the which John Travolta cr- disco movie, which is crazy to think about because they're such different movies. I've never seen Saturday Night Fever. Actually, do you know the st- story of War – oh, you never saw Saturday no, Night Fever? No, I've not It's seen a really fun movie. I've heard – I've – you yeah, should, it's I only good. know
0: only thing I know about that movie is mm-hmm. it's about disco. Yeah, maybe a clip of him dancing in the white suit, right? And I know it opens with staying alive. Isn't he like walking yes, down the street he's with like paint striding cans? down the street.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. That's all. That's all I could tell you about
1: that movie. It's uh he's a kid in a poor family in the Bronx or Queens. I think the Bronx and um or is it Brooklyn? Whatever, some outer borough, New York. Yeah. And, um, you know, his life is a poor kid, Doesn't there's no hopes for him, and the only time that life's good for him is when he's dancing. Yeah. The club scene. Seems like a simple story. Uh, well, Tavolt is great, and mm-hmm. his family is great. Once you see him with his family, and mm-hmm. they're all, like, yelling at each other at dinner, that's when the movie takes off, which is, like, I think the second scene. Nice. Anyway, the same director, but uh, there was another director for War Games, this guy named Marty Brest. Uh-huh. I think, am I saying that right? Who ended up directing Beverly Hills Cop, right? But uh, – and Scent of a Woman. But this was before those and he was the director and for some reason he was fired. I don't know why. And he Ooh. directed several of the scenes, like the scene where he goes to meet the two computer nerds to get advice. Yeah. That's a Marty Breast scene. I hope it's breast and not best. I think I'm right. And then the scene in the phone booth where he hacks to be able to make a phone call even though he doesn't have any money. That's a Marty scene. Mm-hmm. I've l- watched the commentary in this movie and that's all this crazy stuff. But then he was fired and they hired John Badham, I think his name is. Yeah. To And who had like almost no time to do pre-production and he finished the film.
0: Wow. And then did
1: most of it. But like. I don't know. It's weird, but the movie turned out great. So we can, yeah, and all the works together. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known they were different directors in nope. each of those no, scenes. No, they're pretty seamless. Um, hundred percent. I, I although think that, Marty did the. I mean, that scene with the computer nerds is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. It's, it's like so the coolest funny. scene.
0: And it's like it's funny that
1: they didn't have more of those nerds in that movie after yeah, that. Yeah, you felt like you were going to see him again. I th- I, th- I thought they were this is the scene where about. David Lightman goes early in the movie. He has discovered what he doesn't know yet, but mm-hmm. what is essentially like a military – like the Pentagon basically. And But he doesn't know that yet. He just knows that he's found this site that won't let him in. Yeah. And he's trying to ask for advice from his like professional computer programming friends of how to hack in. And it's these two like st- stereotypical nerds. One guy who looks like the Simpsons comic book guy. <laughs> And another, like just insanely stereotypical '80s nerd. Yeah. Reed Jew. It's best like when nerd and Jew were like the same. Just yeah. like, and not like a realistic Jewish person, but like cartoon movie. Oh, yeah. Jewish person and like the late, like Richard Lewis times ten sort of. And,
0: I mean, his the, and voice is like,
1: cartoonish too. Yeah, it's just,
0: and I mean, we've seen. I've seen that actor in other things. In yeah, yeah. 80s. He
1: that was his whole jam. Yeah. Um. he. he there was a line. It's, it's that's back very when funny. nerd was still. It was far from being cool yet yes. and it was like – like Revenge of the Nerds came out two years later and was like a phenomenon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like there was a novelty to being called a nerd or something. But um, <laughs> yeah, David Lightman goes to visit these two computer nerds and that's like such an amazing scene of like great characters. Yeah. A good movie. I mean it's such a – it's 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 so simple when it's done right. But, like, these good movies where every little character, side character, has some personality. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie and Die Hard both do it where, like, every every character is given a, just a little something fun to do. Mm-hmm. Do you remember halfway through the – or no, three-quarters of the way through the movie, we're at the military site where now the computer has been set into motion and he's trying to launch the missiles and they're starting to freak out. Dabney Coleman, who's, like, the bad guy, has his, like, female uh, colleague and – he is it the gum moment? The gum moment. He yeah. takes gum out of his mouth and just gives her the gum? Yeah, and, and then she, she takes
0: it, puts it in her own mouth. And she mind. kind of
1: shrugs and puts it in her own mouth.
0: And I'm like, so you're saying that they have a weird relationship.
1: I I think it's also just more like this woman is a little off and quirky well, Just herself. Kind kind of like, I I think it's almost like she takes the gum. You think she's going to be grossed out by this by the man she works with being so crude as to put gum in her hand, and then she just kind of shrugs and just chews it? Yeah, and it makes it almost. It makes it. It's just a funny. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think that she's like, I don't know, not so easily ruffled or something yeah. like that.
0: They have a, it also establishes this long history of just like, you yeah, know, I can do whatever you, you can throw, whatever I'm used to it with Yeah, you. yeah. And yeah. Um, there's lots of little moments, like little funny moments, like that. There's the great one where, oh my gosh. The tic tac toe moment is so funny. That's such a funny line. <laughs> Where like
1: the, he's trying to get the computer to play tic tac toe so they can save the day. And this is high stakes. He's trying yeah. to use tic tac toe to teach the computer a lesson <laughs> that it doesn't know. Yeah, and stakes are incredibly high. So he and he, they can't even get the computer to do anything. But then he gets it to play tic tac toe because the program is so simple or something yeah. that it doesn't. It's not blocked. And so they call it up on the screen, and then our protagonist is starting to play tic-tac-toe. And immediately somebody, <laughs> one of the brass who's watching goes, put X in the center square. <laughs> yeah.
0: But he says it, like, so confidently. Like, like and he's I also finally also, get to add some information yeah, and help Yeah, he's this so thing. excited. Oh, put X in the center square. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's so perfect. You're almost ready placed. for some people like, shut up, Jeremy. We we know, we know. We all know how to play tic tac toe, buddy. God, it was funny. It's so good. It's so here's well something placed. that I, I didn't point out while you were watching it, but was and I didn't notice until I heard the commentary. So when he's in his room and he's showing off for Allie, he turns on his voice, a voice modulator, yeah. so that the computer has a voice, and that's when you hear the computer go, "Greetings, Professor Falcon. Would you like to play a game?" Which was quoted forever in like comedy shows for years. But for the rest of the movie, every time there is a computer, it speaks in that voice even when there's no speakers around. Yeah. And even though theoretically everybody should have their own voice modulation device that doesn't sound exactly alike. Yeah. Like even when you're You're in Crystal Palace, which is like the main technology, which is like the NORAD, the the military headquarters of our movie, where like, you know, the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mm -hmm. are... Um, and they call it, the, and they they finally find this. They get this computer up on the screen, this computer program that is run, do, doing all the trouble. It still speaks in greeting the same voice, yeah. professor. But wouldn't they, in this high technology, have a better voice modulator, I or get at least it. a different one? Yeah, they would. But you don't even think about it you when you're the movie. You don't think about it. Because I think also- Do you also remember when Daddy so, Coleman leaves him alone in his office and he runs over to his computer and like yeah, quickly hacks It still- It has a voice there. There's still, no speakers visible. There's, no, you don't see any visible speaker. Yeah.
0: It's like it, they just set it up.
1: It's a character.
0: Yeah, it's a character. One, so I think they kept the, they want to keep the voice consistent just for the oh, character. Yeah. So we all it recognize Joseph. Yeah. Uh, Joshua. And, Joshua, sorry. Um, not Joseph. I said it wrong. Um... Or Warp, even though I wish it was... Whopper. Or Whopper. I wish they kept it calling Whopper. Whopper I just loved. I loved like, yeah. an evil computer named Whopper. Yeah. There's <laughs> uh, something so great about yeah. it to me. But then I think you have
1: to make it so everybody recognizes this character. Yeah. But then... Um, yeah, so you just like... you. It, they set yeah. it up in his room very carefully and they justify it so then you accept it and then you're not thinking about it anymore he's got that voice
0: yeah and then once, th- and then it's just a Never thing think of like about
1: it. we set it up but this one scene I think that's such a sign of why the director is so good like he just knew like we're not going to need to explain this because no. so many things are explained in the movie mm-hmm. very carefully
0: but it is explained. It's, it, the rule for it is set up by him just turning on the modulator. Yeah. He took
1: that time to do, like, here's like, how hear has talk? a voice. Yeah. And then she's even like, how can it talk? She's oh. like, well, it's not really talking. I just have this machine that gives the input a sound. Yeah. You're like, oh, that makes sense. And then you buy it for the rest and of the thing. And you, you never think, think about it again. It. Yeah. Um, which is good. Um, the way he hacks into the computer for the first time is, a fun, is cool storytelling. Yeah. He doesn't do it, you know. The the steps he takes, he has to get advice from his computer yeah, programming and then he goes friends, the, and he goes to research the name of the creator. Yeah, it's like a, it's a little classic mystery like montage, which lets us learn about this guy. Yep, and learn about the computer. Um, and then he, I, I like that because he's doing all
0: the research because it's a funny way to get like learn. He's like just learn everything about this guy named Falcon.
1: That you're also seeing this guy you who's you a in. terrible student is working so hard. Yeah, to hack into this, you know, he's going to the library. He's like,
0: but they set it up. There's, there's something I love about that because it's the guy that plays one of the uh, FBI guys, the, the principal from. Back to the Future. Yes, he lays it down so perfectly for like that the perfect eighties character, like Reagan era, yeah. Reagan era like slacker. He's yeah. all perfect. He literally says he's like he's like perfect case or something like this. He's like, yeah, they of think course, he, they, this guy is like a low achiever, but like he's like he's great at high everything. High intelligence, high intelligence, low achiever. And I'm like that is like the classic movie protagonist 80s hero yeah it's Ferris Bueller yeah
1: it's exactly Ferris Bueller it's Back to the Future it's a Real Genius with Val Kilner it's uh, all the Revenge of the Nerds Risky Business Joel um, whatever his name is yeah, Tom Cruise's character in Mm -hmm. Risky Business and it's
0: such an 80s like um, type to be that the person you're rooting for was like they have everything they need they just don't they sit on it yeah um and I like – I don't know. I love I love
1: that they just said it out loud. Yeah, <laughs> they so just basically say the character do, breakdown. But you do. work.
0: If he has something he's really l- – I mean, as a Watch kid watching, time, you relate to it. Like, you'll yeah. work
1: hard for stuff you're interested in you don't care about the other day. You want to talk about his parents? Oh, his parents were so funny. His parents are so weird. Weird. And, like, they come – they're, like, the One's first – One's a real estate. They, they work all the time, so he's, a, he's alone a lot. Yeah. But they're sweet people. Yeah. She's like a real estate agent. He's like, we don't know what he does, but some sort of corporate guy. And he just is like a space cadet. He's like a, like a weirdo.
0: Yeah. And the, the I love the first scene, the wife's even at home still working on real estate.
1: Yeah. She's on the phone trying to close a sale. <laughs> yeah. And there, and, I think it's supposed to explain something about his character because we, for, he, he invites Allie to his house because mm-hmm. he's going to show her how he's going to change her grade. And when she comes in, when she first walks in the door, she sort of, like, takes her hair down and stands up straight expecting to meet the parents. Yeah. And then they don't show up. And she's like, aren't your parents home? He's like, "Now they both work. And I think that's supposed to be like, oh, he's alone all the time. Yeah. Like, that's part of how he became to be into computers, I guess. Yeah, I I Some sort that. of, like, anti-authority, maybe.
0: And it sets up the ability of him to kind
1: of, like, move throughout this story without us having to worry about the parents. Yeah. Oh yeah, parents aren't going to get involved because they never get involved. Yeah, um, there's also there was a thing in the early '80s about like parents not always being jerks. A lot of the adults in this movie are jerks. His teacher's a jerk. The principal's a jerk. Everyone at the military command is very condescending to him. Yeah, they just treat uh, him like nobody you're a kid. assumes he did anything. They assume he's working with a Russian, a Soviet from the outside. Mm-hmm. But his parents are—they're sweet. They're maybe neglectful, but they're not like mean people. Yeah. And uh, did you ever see the movie Valley Girl? No. So Valley Girl is about like a girl from the valley who falls Mm -hmm. in love with a boy from Hollywood, Nick Cage. (laughs) And it's like star-crossed lovers. But her parents are like vegetarian-owning, super supportive hippies who want her to try grass and they're like adorable. (laughs) And there was like this trend to have like non-jerk parents. Or in 16 Candles when Molly Ringwald's dad is like a nice dude. Really nice, yeah. He realizes he forgot her birthday and he apologizes and he's so sweet. And it was—I don't know—that was like a trend in movies at that time. Dude, parents are not always jerks.
0: Yeah, and they do that. They pull that off. there. And like you said—they're maybe a little aloof, but they're not jerks. Yeah, and it made them. But then they had this weird, funny, like comedic beats to them that were just like it. Was, there was a couple of moments in this that the like, like when, he,
1: when she the when the corn wasn't corn cooked.
0: is such a funny weird moment because and it's all to me it was also he, I like think you missed this job. moment
1: he the dad's about to eat a corn on the cob yeah. He takes a piece of bread and butters it like a shit ton. He puts d- a ton of butter on this bread. <laughs> yeah, and then, he puts the, then he puts the corn on the bread and spins it to get <laughs> butter on the corn. Yeah. It just looks <laughs> <a> juvenile <laughs> and weird. That is very weird. Then he bites into and he's like, "It's raw.: Yeah, that hard is what I'm. And his wife's like, "Yes, isn't it great? It's so crispy." Of course, it's it's so crunchy. Of course, it's crunchy. It's raw. Like it's the, so, yes. Well, that gets the vitamin whatever or something. Yeah,
0: it almost was like a funny like '80s way of looking at like making sort of a joke about health food or yeah, for sure. Like that Absolutely, kind of, that's what I And it was I thought doing. that was so funny to like include yeah. that in this weird moment in this yeah. movie. There
1: was there was like just a lot of moments of sort of funny things. Yeah, like even that. though it's like a story about possible nuclear war.
0: Yeah, it's like that. They're not part of the main story. They're just like these little moments of levity that they throw in but yeah. they don't seem hard. Like, now I think a writer wouldn't let that stand alone. He'd be like, I have to fit it into the scene. Yeah. It would have to still have its purpose to pushing it forward. But this, I love it. was just like, nah, we just have funny weird parents." Yeah. <laughs> like even yeah. the way that the dad was mad when they're like, it's getting intense and he's dealing with the computer. I think, right. I think maybe when they're finding out if this is what they do and he's on the phone or something is that I might be mixing it with the moment and his dad out like yells at him from outside and he's like, Yelling at him for the garbage cans from getting tipped over by the dog. Even yes. the way he does that is is like – it's sweet, but it's weird. It's like – it's not really angry. It's just like, oh, boy. I feel like this might
1: be a director's choice because it's written to be like the only time they pay attention to him is when they're scolding him. Yeah. You know, you didn't close up the garbage right. So you could be saying like, oh, your parents are at home. They work all the time. Your mom's on the phone. Um and here they are yelling at you. I think without changing a line of dialogue, you can make those parents like angry and kind of yeah. jerks, like Harry Potter's adopted family, the, mm-hmm. mug, the Muggle family. But um, I think it might have been a director choice, be like, yeah, let's soften it at home. Let's make it that they're just they're just kind of oblivious.
0: Yeah, and I think that makes it work, and it doesn't feel like he's just a complete. It would get in the way, too, wouldn't it? Like, it would just be like, well, who cares? Let this world get blown up. Yeah. If you didn't like <laughs> your parents I don't, parents know, were like, jerks. I don't they made, know. I think they made it the works. right decision. like, Especially with everybody else being sort of not trusting of this kid.
1: 80s movies, it was like, it wasn't hardcore. It wasn't people in, like, a hardcore uh intense like crime situations it was like john hughes era it was like suburban kids with the mm-hmm. stars of the movies
0: and then you or yeah it was suburban kids with the kid uh with the the focus either in suburbia or like this like we're gonna take a suburban kid and put, put him, him in an extraordinary in, like, situation yeah um
1: and they do this is the this is the era in american culture of like billy joel john <laughs> millencamp and bruce springsteen it's like it's like it's just suburbia is the star yeah Later, like in the, I feel like in the '90s and the 2000s, it's like, well, let's look at like poorer and like harder situations, and yeah. more extreme, and or even wealthier. But like this was like middle America.
0: Very, yeah, I, I think it's a lot of because of, like it's the Reagan era.
1: It's all of that. In a weird I think the way, the '80s like, weirdly wanted to be the '50s a lot. Like the '80s culture-wise looked back at the '50s a lot. Like happy days, yeah. uh, there was a lot of obsession, like with bikers and like leather jackets in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of came back. Like David Lynch's Twin Peaks, which actually was nineteen ninety, but you know he was developing in the late eighties or whatever. It's like there's leather jackets and bikers. Fifties mm-hmm. music dominates eighties. Like Stand By Me came out in the eighties, yeah. and that's got all these fifties songs. I mean, ri- Risky bi- Business has that one scene where he's dancing
0: alone, and it has a song from yeah the older. Um, yeah. I can't think of the song right now. but uh, Just uh,
1: old-time rock and roll. Yeah.
0: They're totally yeah. looking back at that era and going, like, this is a simpler time. We want to yeah. be
1: more of that. And well, old-time that. rock and roll is a it's late pro- 70s yeah. song, but it's about the 50s no, and 50s. 60s. Um, and so, like, yeah, the 80s was, like, I don't know, weirdly jealous of the 50s or something like that.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, I love – in this too, like in the, in the search of like they're not trusting David that he, had, he doesn't know what it is. Like he clearly figures it out. It's the computer. He's still playing this game. Yeah. They don't trust him.
1: It's kind of a complicated story. Yeah. There's this computer that now can launch missiles without human intervention. That's called Whopper. But then within Whopper is like a rogue program called Joshua. Yeah. And Joshua is what the inventor of Whopper created and named after his son who died, which is just like an entity that can play games and learn from them and get better. Mm -hmm. That's what Joshua is. And David logs on to Joshua remotely. And by connecting with Joshua, he thinks he's asking Joshua just to play a harmless video game. Yep. But he's actually asking Joshua to play a game of nuclear war. And now Joshua, by living inside Whopper, which has access to the missiles, can do it for real. Yep. And Joshua is smart enough. But it's, but it's weird. Joshua itself cannot launch the missiles. Whopper can. So what Joshua is doing is tricking – I only realized this in the last couple of times I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. jo- Joshua has to trick the humans into ordering the strike. Yeah. Well, like there's it no there's it, nobody in the silos. Yeah, uh, the computer doesn't launch them on their own. The general has to give the command. Then the computer can launch the missiles. Yeah. But like right Joshua is putting fake things up on the radar and lying to the humans to scare them into doing things like launching actual fighters. Yeah. And then that creates a reaction from the Russians like Joshua is basically is like a gossipy person who's like going to America. Hey, do you know what the Russians said about you? They said this, yeah, and that makes the Americans do something for real, and then that makes the Russians do something for real. So Joshua is like manipulating the humans into yeah doing shit. What I found interesting too in that
0: manipulation is that the Americans are the only ones making moves. The Russians, the Russians, are not doing anything. I would love to see the on the Russians hands <laughs> the constant communication they keep going, like we you we show uh, subs and we show planes in the yeah. air. Like we have no clue what you are talking about. Yeah, there is no
1: even, subs. Like the Russians had to be driven
0: crazy for that like yes. period of time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, The Americans keep telling us that if we are there. We're not
1: <laughs> like there is like the the there is this thing <laughs> called Defcon in the movie, right? Defcon yeah. five is peace and one is nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Only the general can change the Defcon. The computer can't do it. The general yeah. say, move us to DEFCON 4. And missiles can't be launched unless the DEFCON is set to 1. Nobody can launch the missiles yep. until it's set to 1. They say that at some point. So the computer needs to trick the general into t- dropping the DEFCON. So he keeps doing things that makes the general drop the DEFCON. Yep. And he'd be like, oh, this. the radar is showing incoming ICBMs. Dr- go to DEFCON 2. Yeah. And it's like Joshua is figuring out how to get the people to do what he wants. Yeah. And then, um, and he shows a, yeah, whatever. It's, I mean, it's a, a subtle point that doesn't totally matter, but there is a Whopper computer, and then Joshua is a rogue entity living within it. That doesn't even matter. But, like, yeah. The movie was, like, thought through, like, insanely well. It holds up to, like, a yeah. lot of scrutiny. I, and it's cool. I, I think it does.
0: And I think that's a, it's a, great... I think it's a great villain, too, at the end, because you do like... I love how it takes us to the point where they're manipulating the humans, yeah. but then when they... We get so far to the point where we think, okay, we're no longer being manipulated. We Yeah, we everybody knows
1: what's going on, we so get the humans it, cannot uh, we're be... We're out,
0: we're... But then it's like, nope. And it's now overrided everything, our failsafe,
1: and locked it in Technically, saying, what happened is again, not yeah, interesting ahead. to anybody but to me, like, the, <laughs> they... While they're still being fooled by Joshua, they go to DEFCON 1, mm-hmm. and they, they open up the silos, and they prepare to launch real missiles. <laughs> and they hit insane. this button that says, change is locked out. So nobody can undo the order to launch the missiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they realize, oh, Joshua's been lying to us, or this computer has been lying to us. Do not launch. Don't enter the code. So they don't. They stop. Great. We'll be able to undo everything. But now that they've hit that button, that gives Joshua access to sending the codes himself that he couldn't do before. Yeah, And then he starts just sending random codes and he's just going to launch them himself. I love that. I mean you're not even paying attention to this level of interplay that I'm describing and I'm but sure it sounds what? incredibly boring. I think
0: this uh, – why but, this movie worked too is because those kind of like – they set us up for that moment Yeah, early on because – that's a weird, like the code thing. That could be complicated, or it'd be like, "Oh, this is boring," or "I don't get it." Yeah, but they set it up very... by simply by having our hero do it. Yeah, he sets his own computer to randomly call phone numbers. Yeah,
1: so we see the computer you do that, the function of like yeah. it's just
0: going to randomly
1: teaching us. Oh, this is, oh, how, this a is how a computer can, a computer can hack into a thing. Yeah, so when, so when he then gets at to the end moment, of the movie when he's hacking, along, we're familiar code, with Jerry. Yeah,
0: like, great, now we know this computer does. They that. do a
1: good job of teaching you. With a simple example, everything that they're going to need for that final act. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So even to
0: the point of like the tic-tac-toe. It's like, oh, we're learning about List Falcon, games, all the all commands
1: that. they type into the computer at the end, we've seen him do before. Yeah. It's very, very well, like, built and structured really incredible. Same guys who wrote this wrote the movie Sneakers with Robert Redford. Which is another, another in good hacker movie. Good hacker movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they it actually pre- lives up. <laughs> yeah. They do a good job of, like, thinking, like, movie com- You know, so many movie computers are like, hit self-destruct button, you know. Right? Yeah. yeah. They just look so dumbed down. I like these ones. And it
0: also has that classic phone on the, those weird receivers. Yeah.
1: But the sneakers
0: at the beginning uh, has that.
1: I wanted everything in this movie. <laughs> I wanted all that technology so badly. Like I love the technology it. on this phone is so superior to anything shown in that movie. But when I watch the movie, I'm like, I don't know, man. I want a keyboard like that. My friend Neil Casey has a keyboard that clicks.
0: He still does because that he was something I got noticed. It. As he as I was specially
1: ordered. There's a term for it, but like some kind of actual spring-loaded mechanical keyboard, like wow. the kind that Broderick yeah. has in it's this movie. Very, that's
0: what I remember using at it's, home.
1: Fits. Yeah, yeah, it's old school. I love it,
0: yeah. and I that was like one of the small details I noticed when we were watching. It was just you could hear it every time he tapped. Yeah, and now it's like we've purposely made our laptops Silent, to be quiet because yeah, you
1: don't want to hear it, obviously. Yeah, but it was it's cool sound. I love that sound. Yeah, it's a really good. It is a good, and it
0: gave this a, even that simple sound gave it a, the intensity it needed. Yeah, especially in, and if you're looking at it in the '80s, like we've discussed, it's like. You're building those rules in. You have to hear that sound. Without that sound, the audience doesn't buy into that reality that you and this computer are sort of functioning together. Yeah. If you remove that – if you would have had not, just a visual like this with silent, you kind of would have been like, nah, I don't get it. Yeah. There's a good
1: – I don't know. It's computer porn. It's tech porn or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the clack of the keys, the glow of the screen. Mm-hmm. It's, co- it's a cool aesthetic.
0: Yeah, I I think it's fascinating. The, the there's still I, I watched a video online.
1: I feel like the X Files would sometimes have like guys who were like had old Did school they? computer setups, and they sort of had a similar like cool aesthetic. Yeah, Justin, you saw Civil War, right? Yeah, just in the fact that Spider-Man Sp- has that. Uh, yeah, gold the gold Spider-Man character has an old computer that he dug out of the trash, and it's mm-hmm. like an old Mac Classic that hits the similar note of just like a computer system that's too old for this time. Looks, it's vintage. It looks, yeah, cool. Yeah, I would, Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, what yeah. was I gonna say? I lo- I, uh, I love this movie. I mean, uh, I guess it's definitely a guy's movie. The girl, there, Ali Sheedy's a great actor, and she does a really great performance in this. But her character is uh, got right. his second billing. Unfortunately, a lot of dudes. It's, it's um, all yeah. But the characters are all very interesting and specific. The uh, the bad like, guys are smart and they're not. No one's really irrational. Everyone is behaving pretty smartly given what they know.
0: Yeah. The humans did drive me a little crazy at moments just like when like, oh, there's no planes up here.
1: It's like, yeah. Come on. You guys aren't figuring this out a little quicker than They were fooled a number of times, times by Joshua yet. and you think like that should only work once. It
0: was, yeah. Like it was like, come on. You don't – like I thought they would catch on and like believe the kid.
1: There's a, there's a lot of like sleight of hand that this movie does where it's like – Eh, probably in real life, they would have eyeballs pretty early on and know that nothing was happening. Yeah. They'd be able to figure out that it was a computer glitch yeah. way earlier than they do in this movie and certainly only once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for the sake of our movie, they're really fooled they by the happen. screens. Yeah. But, you know, that also is part of the time. Like the computer screens in this film are so beautiful in the military oh, yeah. headquarters that they seem credible. Yeah, and especially at that time, it's like, well, anything that looks this good must be right.
0: Oh yeah, I, I uh, believed it. I mean, all the design stuff of even when the missiles were coming, I thought that was great.
1: It's, yeah, it's really well. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's I, a, I it's like the beautiful. Glow of that. Uh, and
0: it matches. What I love is they designed it so it's like they showed you Galaga, and yeah. it literally is like the graphics for the even the, in the war room match the Galaga. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't and I think, think about very that. much like again they're setting you it's up. It's like to oh, be this like, has been
1: reduced to a video game. Yeah. And it's like, but
0: this video game means something. <laughs> it's fire higher stakes. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It really
1: stokes your fears of computers desensitizing people mm. from reality. Like yeah. that, that's basically the theme of the movie is like man versus machine and it should be man basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk real quick about Sal, uh, Falcon. Okay, I This is the professor
1: d- who designed who designed the computer that's causing all the trouble, but he's gone into hiding and we don't really see him until the end of the movie. Yeah. We meet him. Our protagonist digs him up. Finds yeah, him. digs him up, goes to he's Goose on an Island, Island. Goose Island. Uh, that's in Chicago, right? No, off Oregon. Oregon. But this is all outside of that's Seattle. That's right, because he
0: flies. He flies. That's, Very I, I, early on, he buys a plane ticket I, from and Chicago. I feel like that. Because you're that, thinking
1: that, John Hughes. You're looking at Matthew yeah. Broderick. You're thinking Ferris Bueller and you're thinking exactly Chicago. That's exactly why.
0: I realized in that one ticket. Thing threw me off and yeah. made me throw out because every teen movie
1: before. in the '80s takes place outside of Chicago because yeah. of John Hughes. <laughs>
0: it's so dumb for me just to assume. But that. this one
1: is Seattle. Yeah.
0: So yeah, they go to Skook Island. They meet him while he's flying. Uh, a model dinosaur, a model dinosaur a pterodactyl, yeah. which is so insane. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? But I love it. Yeah, because this, this guy is obsessed with dinosaurs. Yeah, his whole he's like, obsessed with extinction.
1: Yeah, extinction. He's like, the human race is going to extinct. itself. I loved. Yeah. Like I know he did make a turn to come back around. Right. They first go to get this guy uh, to save them, and he won't do it. He's like, nope. The human race was meant I to go extinct, love- and it's happening tonight. And so that's what's meant to happen. I loved that choice, and it felt like right, especially from a guy that. It, like disappeared after his, his wife his and kid died yeah his wife and kid died right? I was
0: like and I love that when a uh, heroes hero's like, i got to go get this one thing. This is probably the thing that can help. It, it made me think of 28 Days Later. You've seen that, right? You love it. Uh, I love in 28 Days Later, the beacon that they're going towards ends up being scarier than the world that they just came out of. Yes, that's it's, right. It's a false uh,
1: like yeah. oasis or whatever. Right, right, right. Or Haven. And I loved that. It's a that, mirage. Yeah, and that's what this sort of had. And I love that, that. Right, that, You think this guy's going to save everything? Nope. He is ready for <laughs> extinction. It's definitely yeah. not going to help you. I loved how dark that was. Like, no, I'm obsessed with dinosaurs because of extinction. They're like, you won't even make one phone call to straighten this out. He's like, you know what? Maybe my phone call would delay things a year or two, but eventually we're gonna blow her- we're gonna blow ourselves up in the next yeah. couple of years. So you maybe have enough time for you to have a son and watch him die. <laughs> it's so bleak, and it, but, yeah.
0: but it feels so real.
1: But you buy it, you given buy what it. he's like, gone through. Yeah. You're like, yep, that guy's not gonna help. Um, And he's a classic, like, Sherlock Holmes type, like, because he's English and he's mm -hmm. very, like, smart and he's sort of dismissive and sharp in his tone. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, like, listen very closely to me now. Path. Follow path. Gate. Open gate, through gate, close gate. Dock. Ferry. Goodbye. (laughs) And it's like, oh, he's giving them computer commands. He's, like, treating them like they're computers. Like, he's just giving them a series of commands. That's, but they're using yeah. it as like a affectation of his kind of dismissive professor eccentricity.
0: Yeah, but that's great to see it that way. I'm like yeah. this is how I just talk. Yeah, I've been around computers for. Yeah, so I'm just long. treating
1: you like Joshua.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's a very. I think. I think it's a movie that's worth a second watch.
1: Oh yeah. Like it. Like I mean, if you. I mean, I've watched it probably oof, fifteen times. That's great. And. I just love it. It's not worth that many one There's not that much to unpack. <laughs> but there's enough stuff that's laid out early and the characters are specific enough. And it's just really – it's just pleasingly tightly knit. Back to the Future is the same way. You watch Back to the Future again and again. It's just so well sewn up. Yes. I was... And they're planting seeds so early and so well. And this movie does does that too.
0: Yeah. Have you ever seen it on the big screen, by the way? Back to did... the Future? Uh, war, war Games. Oh, yeah. You I saw it originally when it came out.
1: And I think that's the only time I've seen it on the oh, big screen.
0: Because cool. like, I'm wanting to – I wish I had more time. I would want to see older movies like this yeah. actually on the big screen. Sure. I mean, every, I'm
1: sure every the new Beverly, they play War Games, I'm yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. I bet they have because I saw when the anniversary of Back to the Future came out that's what mm-hmm. made me think of that is when I went and saw it for the first
1: time on the big screen oh yeah it's it was so much audience, more fun like, like the made... skateboard yes chase scene is so great and everyone's like getting into it I mean it's an amazing it, movie and
0: you, and you really realize in a, with an audience how well it holds up yeah because you're just like we're all laughing at these moments yeah and you're just like oh yeah
1: you the, want and, a, yeah you want a Pepsi you're gonna have to pay for it
0: yeah <laughs> I love Tab. it Tab you
1: haven't ordered it yet <laughs> so good yeah um, they had Tab in this movie, by the way.
0: Yeah. They cut back
1: and they're drinking Tab. I just had Tab well, at the um, church improv show, the indie oh. improv show, Monday Night's Church. They what had does Tab, tab, tab. taste like? It tastes like a Diet Cola, right. slightly slightly weaker, right. Diet Coke with less bite.
0: I would always assume it tastes like medicine
1: for some reason. Oh, yeah, cause it's a pink can. Yeah, the pink can. No, it's a cola. Cool. <laughs> well, I guess we'll go, we'll end on talking about tap <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Thank you, Will, for introducing oh, thanks, our war games. I'm
1: so excited you watched it with me. Thank you so uh, it was much. A, it was a treat. It was a pleasure to watch it with you. Bye.
0: If you want more from Will Hines, you can follow him on Twitter at Will Hines, as well as He has a great new improv book that just has been published. He published it himself. You can purchase it on his site of improvnonsense.tumblr.com or check out his website. I might have a link for it on willhines.net. The book is called How to Be the Greatest Improviser on the Earth. Definitely check out this book. Um, I'm an improviser and, of course, I pre-ordered the book. If you are an improviser out there in the world, you're going to want this book. Um, Definitely. Check it out. As well as if you want to see him improvise in Los Angeles, you can see him play with the Smokes at UCB Franklin every Monday at 7 p.m. Definitely check him out. As well as once a month, he plays with the team Fuckable in a great show called q and QA, where the teams, or excuse me, hit the Fuckable and guests perform then take questions from students or just the audience in general about their choices in their improv set. I had the pleasure of performing with that team recently. You should definitely, if you get a chance, check that show out. And listen to his podcast with Anthony King titled Don't Get Me Started. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I tweet about it a lot because I'm a fan of it. I love the guests and the subjects they talk about, but that there's a lot about Will Hines. He's a brilliant man. Definitely follow um, and watch him perform. Thank you again for listening to I Will Watch Anything Once. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at I-W-W-A-O, as well as it has a Facebook page and a Tumblr at IWillWatchAnythingOnce.tumblr.com. If you have a movie that you think I should watch and discuss on the podcast, please email me at iwillwatchanythingonce@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can help out the podcast and other podcasts on the Boardwalk Audio Network by going on to the Boardwalk Audio website and clicking on that button that says "Support Our Artists." That will link you to Amazon, and then all you have to do is make your normal purchases that you do make on Amazon.com, and we'll get a small percentage kicked back to us. It costs you nothing, but it will be great support for all these great podcasts. And remember, if you haven't seen it once, you can't complain.
1: I feel like I'm always ready for a Sherlock Holmes archetype to come waltzing into the scene (laughs) and just be like smart and witty and eccentric.
0: This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.